Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, Season 5, Episode 23, for Saturday the 17th of June 2023. And coming up this week, Book 3 in my trilogy has now been sent to Claire Cronshaw for a professional edit. I've ditched a, a writing software this week and I've returned to one that I liked all along. And I've moved on to my final read of Book 1 before it goes to ARC readers. And just before we get started today, a reminder that we have two more podcast episodes of Season 5 after this one. So two more weeks after this and then we conclude Season 5 of the show. I'll start as ever with my editing update and as I said in the introduction book three went to Claire Cronshaw on Sunday evening that was the 11th of June. I've run through it as much as I can to spot what I can. You start to get word blindness after a while so I think it's good that you pass it on to somebody else for a completely fresh take on it. Uh, it'll come back from Claire uh, at the end of this month and then I'll do all the pre-art reads and, and get that ready to go out to, to art readers to finalise that book. So what have I been doing this week? I've been running through the vellum copy of book one to give it its final check and tweaks. And I'm doing this because when, when I prepared book one in vellum to go to the art readers, of course I hadn't written book three by then. So there's some very just slight uh, nuances, little comments here, uh, deletions there, just to just to finesse book one because I know exactly what's happening now. Uh, you can just change a sentence here or there, insert a change, uh, sentence here and there, uh, just to improve the book. That's what I'm doing now. So it's very, very small, and it is a, a last, very much a last read. And actually, this is the point at which I tend to spot my repeater words uh, when I'm reading it uh, more as a reader than as, a, as an editor. Now, I'm editing in vellum now because I've the, the book is, is pretty well there. I mean, when you think about it, it's been through me twice. It's been through my wife. It's been through Claire. I've gone through Claire's changes. And then, and then reread it. That's the stage we're at now. So it's we're pretty well at pretty well at the final version now that I'm going to release. So I'm happy to work in vellum now rather than take it out into Word and possibly introduce uh, you know formatting errors and things like that. I would just rather work in the fight directly in the final copy right now because the changes I'm making are so small. And just a reminder because I probably haven't mentioned this for a while. I don't like. Apple products. I don't use any Apple products at all, but I do love the Vellum software. So I use Vellum via Mac in Cloud, and Mac in Cloud is a service that I can use on my PC that, if you want, gives me a portal to a virtual Mac. So I don't have to own a Mac at all. I can just use Vellum. And Vellum still is, and uh, nothing's got anywhere close to it as far as I'm concerned for my tastes uh, for formatting my book. So I did notice actually. In an Atticus update this week, they now do box sets. That was a probably at the time of, of recording this, that is the most compelling reason for me not to even look at anything else other than vellum because box set creation is so easy in vellum. And as you know, selling box sets is a big part of my business at the moment. So, uh, you know, it, it would take an awful lot for me to get out of Vellum for formatting because I do love it. And of course, I've got my whole catalogue in Vellum now. Um, and you only pay for Vellum once as well. There's no recurring subscription. So it would take a lot to get me out of Vellum, I think, at the moment, even though I have to access it through Mac in Cloud. 
Anyhow, that's what I've been doing this week. I think I have about uh, 10 chapters to do, and that will be finished on Saturday. So my wife, uh, every three weeks, my wife has to do a morning of work. Uh, and so I'm using that as a working day on Saturday. Uh, I'll just read those fast, last 10 chapters, and that will be book one sort of done and dusted from my point of view, ready to send to art readers whenever I decide to do that. I will then move on to doing exactly the same with book two. Uh, that's week beginning the 26th of June uh, because I've got things coming up next week. So next week is a write-off as far as work is concerned. So I will move to book two week beginning the 26th of June. And of course, if you've been uh, following what I've been saying, you'll know that I'll have a week on that book and then Book three will come back from Claire then, and I'll, I'll get book three done. So in rapid succession now, we're putting these books to bed with my my final edits. So the editing's going fine. Uh, the books are nearly there. The end is in sight with these three books. Let me move on to my marketing update now. Not an awful lot to tell you, um, other than that with Facebook ads this week, I got a, I think it was either an email, I think it was an email from Matthew J. Holmes, the, the weekend email, in which he revealed that in his Facebook ads, he actually removes targeting now. So in the way that I would go to, um, I'm just trying to think what I put on my targeting. You know, I might put psychological thriller readers who also uh, have Kindles, something like that. That might, And then I would target uh, females, usually above the age of 35, and I would have a geographical location in there. Well, what Matthew J. Holmes's email said at the weekend was he removes that targeting so he would have females he would have plus 35 he would have the country but he wouldn't have the specific book targeting and i thought oh now there's an interesting idea <clears throat> and he said that's been a game changer for him so um i immediately duplicated the audiences in my ads and i'm giving it a try uh too early days i think to say anything it certainly hasn't made my sales uh, drop off a cliff edge um but equally, I probably haven't really seen any difference in that. I haven't probably seen any difference in sales. But that's something I'm trying at the moment with the Facebook ads because that was just, uh, well, I've never heard anybody say that before. So I thought I'd give it a try. As far as BookBub is concerned, well, my Don't Tell Meg box set was rejected. Uh, BookBub is continuing its downer on my books. And I have submitted the Morecambe Bay Trilogy 1. And I'm just waiting to see what happens with that. Now, one of those things that you'll know with marketing that I know I'm doing badly, but I really need to do better is to build my list and use email marketing. I, I know that I'm wrong in not doing it. It's really just me being slack. It's just I've lost momentum with it and I need to pick up that momentum. So I, I just happened to get an email from Crave Books yesterday and I didn't realize that Crave do list building promos. I also yesterday got an email from, and I'm, I'm gonna forget who it's from. I always forget what this company's called. Let me just see if it's sat in my emails and I can do this without too much tortuous delay for you as the listener. It's in there somewhere. There's Crave Books email. Oh, I'm not gonna be able to find it, am I? I can't find it. Uh, somebody else does uh, promos as well. I've used them before and they they do this building promos effectively so basically you take part in giveaways of about 30 authors and uh they they give away a uh you know a 
Kindle Reader or something like that. They, they have a big promo. They give you wonderful graphics for it as well. And I've used these a couple of times and they've always worked uh, very well for me. They've always given me a pretty good quality uh, list. And so I'm going to do another one of those again. Um, now, I, I was hoping that the email would be in my in my intro here. And it's not, unfortunately, so I cannot remember the name of the company that does it. But what I will do is I'll put it on the show notes. <laughs> I'll mark it as something like this is who I couldn't remember. And I'll put it on the show notes for this week. Um, but I thought I'd do a little bit of list building. That's what, what I'm saying, basically. Uh, I, I need to get momentum with this. I've got a launch coming up. So now is the time to do it and I think the, the first start for that is let's add some let's throw some new subscribers into my MailerLite list and then we'll take it from there so, so that's what's going to happen next with that and apologies that I cannot remember the name of that company in other in other writing related news Living Writer. You've heard me enthusing about Living Writer, and, and, and I do like Living Writer. I've been trying some different cloud-based writing tools because I, I wanted the long term to come out of Scrivener, and that's not because I've got anything against Scrivener at all. I mean, in fact, indeed, the reason I keep coming back to Scrivener is it's so good and it's so robust, but Scrivener isn't really, isn't really what I want to work on in, going forward in the long term. I really want to have something in the cloud that I can use. So I've been looking at Atticus and I've been looking at Living Writer and, and Atticus has really, really kind of failed to, to, to light my imagination, unfortunately. And also I, I have the, the Facebook groups up and, and, and there seem to be a lot of queries, a lot of issues with it. And Living Writer I used for this series of books, I used it really to plan and make notes in. I haven't used it to write in but I have started to plan some books in Living Writer and I've been getting on really well with it. Recently, they did an update to an app and I, and I really like it. It's very stable. It doesn't seem to be giving any problems, but there was one problem I had and it was the straw that broke the camel's back this week. I was putting in some new book templates uh, ready to write whatever comes next and it kept it keeps muddling up the chapters. So you do chapters one to 45, whatever it is you do, and then you'll save the book and you'll put the notes in. it will save everything, everything's fine. But when you then do a duplicate of that template, so you know I, I like to work from a template, I expect to just say create new template and then it's got all the components I need for my next book. It keeps muddling up the chapters. And I do not know why it's doing that. It's incredibly annoying. And it just hit me at the wrong time the other day. And I thought it, it did it to me when I was creating templates. And I thought, you know, I haven't got the time to sit there every time I create a new template to to juggle all the chapters up and put them in the right order. And I just I lost my patience with it. And I went back to have a look at the Readsy editor. Now the Readsy editor as you'll know, I wrote the last three books in the Walk and Bass series in Reedsy and got on extremely well with it. It was it was faultless. It had it had no issues at all. And the only reason that I don't re really use Reedsy is because they're using Reedsy. They use it as a free tool and it's an excellent free tool, but they use it to to push their service, the main Reedsy service, which is you know get an editor get a proofreader, all these sorts of things. And, and, I, and I don't want that. I've got that sorted out. So I'm not good to use the other Readsy service, but I do like the Readsy editor. I would use the Readsy service, but I just got those things sorted already. So that kind of annoys me that it's not a, a, a specific writing tool. I have to go to, uh, 
to find it i have to go into readsy and wade through the menus and go to the editor whereas with a proper writing tool i just have an app or a shortcut that would take me straight there that's so that's my only sort of bugbear with the readsy editor now i went to the readsy editor the other day and they've upgraded it they've now upgraded the readsy editor and bear in mind this is free you can now get a planning tool with the readsy editor so that you get you know the little um what are they called the little cards that you get on scrivener and i, I don't know whether atticus does them i don't know atticus well enough but they they give you these planning cards on living writer where you can just jot your ideas down and then drag and drop and, and change the order of them they now do that in the readsy editor which means that the readsy editor is now free which is i don't I don't mind paying it doesn't have to be free it just happens to be free i i would i'm happy to pay for a service read the editor is free it's cloud-based it's extremely reliable and it now has a built-in planner now just before i'd gone to read i forgot to tell you one part of the story in that i'd gone and bought plotter for a year and plotter is something i've been resisting now those of you who listened to this podcast for a long time will know that i started to plan my books in something called the novel factory the novel factory that was a downloadable software and i used that for many many books and loved it and still love it but it doesn't reflect what i want going forward and that it's a downloadable software and i want everything i want my whole writing business to be uh be able for me to be able to run it on a chromebook that's what i need going forward i need my writing career to be able to travel with me and if it's good to travel with me it needs to be operating be able to be operated on a chromebook excuse me my mouth's not working properly today because i haven't had a first cup of tea i'm up early recording this because we've got a busy day ahead of us today uh not with work but with fun and my voice hasn't warmed up yet nor is my mouth so apologies for that today but um yeah i, I bought plotter i thought right, it's only whatever it was 39 dollars for a year i thought let's hear a lot of people talk about this let's just buy it as I, this is what i tend to do with softwares and i'll play around with it and see if there's a compelling reason for me to use plotter but i've got to tell you having gone from plotter to readsy i thought well, i probably shouldn't have spent that because readsy is doing exactly what i need it to do so i'm gonna i'm gonna move to readsy i think because it just does the job really well and i'm in uh london next week for sps live and if i see ricardo or anybody from readsy i'm gonna i'm gonna hunt them out and say to them look you're do you realize your software is really good and actually what i'd like you to do and i'm happy to pay for it is i'd like you to strip it out of of the readsy portal so i can use it solely as a piece of of software and maybe you might add some extra um things because it's 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 paid for you might give us a few extra products but you know you've got a really good product there and it's just an afterthought almost as a as a byproduct of what you do on readsy but it's a great product as far as i concerned just accidentally it is the most stable most reliable and best featured of, of the of the online writing tools so I'm going to nobble them and just say, have you ever thought of taking this out and, and, and charging it, making it a, a paid for product and actually developing extra features for people who pay for it? Because I, I think they've got a winning product there and I, I really like it. I've been playing around with it this week. I've been duplicating templates. It just does what I want it to do and it doesn't mess anything up, Reedsy. So I'm moving to Reedsy. I think uh, and so my living writer subscription uh, as I did with plotter I just paid for it for a year to give myself plenty of time to play with it at my leisure 
Uh, and I'm, I'm not going to renew that subscription for Living Writer right at the last minute. I was really getting on well with Living Writer, but last at the, right at the last minute, just as I was about to renew for another year, they did something that annoyed me too much and made me think I'm here to write, not sort out software problems, and that's why I'm going to move over to Readsy and use Readsy to write the next book, I think, and, and to, certainly to plan the next book as well. I should also say to you that this week, I when I was doing my last checks for Claire, I did actually run out of time. We've been having a bit too much fun this week, but um, I use what I usually do is I go through the word suggestions when it suggests spellings and grammar. I go through the Grammarly suggestions. They sometimes conflict with the word suggestions, but I I then use the human in me to decide which one which option I'm going for. And I also dabbled a little bit this time with Pro Writing Aid. Didn't really have the time to do too much with Pro Writing Aid, but I did do the repeater function of Pro Writing Aid. So this is where you use repeater words, which I'm very bad at. And I, I must say that you working in Word, it works extremely well. One of my gripes previously about Pro Writing Aid, and I think this was when I was in Scrivener, when I was in Scrivener, um, I seem to remember that I had to do a chapter at a time or something that it couldn't cope with the whole manuscript. Whereas this time I had ProWriting Aid opened in the final version of my Word document and it allowed me to use it on the whole document and it wasn't sluggish. So whether that's an improvement in ProWriting Aid, whether that's something that I, but I was probably working in Scrivener last time and, and having problems with it, that was why I was having problems with it, but it worked extremely well. Now, ProWriting Aid is a labyrinth of checks that you could do on your document. So I did one or two of them, didn't have, ran out of time and had to submit the, the manuscript. But ProWriting Aid um, has got my interest again. Having told you that I'm not going to touch it because it's just too complicated, ProWriting Aid has got my attention once again because I could use it across a whole manuscript in Word. So again, just as I've done with Plotter, just as I did with Living Writer, I've just paid for ProWriting Aid for a year so I can play around with it at my leisure. I'm not on a, a month's trial or anything like that. And uh, I will come back to ProWriting Aid again because I do want to ha have a closer look at it. I'm hearing too many people say that they use it, they use it well. I feel like I've missed a trick. And so I'd want to make sure I've explored the software properly before I either accept it into my business or dismiss it. I've said to you before, this, you know, there's a lot of stuff here that I'm talking about today that I've resisted and that I've come back to. And this is why I like to try and remain open-minded. I might dismiss something once, but I'll revisit it because I don't want my mind to be closed to things. And Smashwords is a really good example of that. Smashwords was something I dismissed quite a long time ago, early on in my writing career. And I mean, this goes way back. Those of you who, who know Smashwords of old, in the old days, it was harder to format your book and Smashwords used to give you this big kind of Bible on, on what it expected you to do to process your files. Now, of course, fast forward five or six years and, and now we have things like Vellum and they create wonderful files for us that don't create any problems. But these things were difficult five or six years ago, certainly when I started writing. And so the reason I was put off Smashwords is it looked a little bit old fashioned. That wasn't the primary reason. The primary reason was it seemed so difficult to process your files to the standard that they required to get them in Smashwords. And I think, I mean, draft to digital must have been available then, and it was just easier to put it in draft to digital, and that's why I didn't go to Smashwords. Well, these days, you just uh, create a, uh, what is it, a generic file in, in Vellum, a generic uh, EPUB or whatever it is that, that 
Smashwords takes. You upload it and Smashwords says, yes, thank you very much, that's great. None of the problems that you used to have in the olden days. So I'm with Smashwords now, not selling a lot of books on them, but I am selling some books on them. And I really like some of the things that Smashwords do. This week, they emailed me to say that they've got what they call the Smashwords Summer Winter Sale. I assume somebody's just forgotten to erase the winter bit and it's the summer sale at the moment. But it says, um, basically, you can apply discounts to all your books or some of your books and they're going to have a sale over July the 1st to July the 31st. And so what I've done is I just thought, okay, great, I'm part of that. And I've just applied a 75% price reduction on all my books, which will go live on July the 1st. So in Smashwords, I have my sci-fi and my non-fiction, and I have Now You See Her, which is my only wide-listed psychological thriller. And I've just applied that 75% price reduction and that will go live on July the 1st and my books will be discounted for a month in July. Now I know I've told you this before but what I love about this is that uh, Smashwords gives you loads of promo tools to promote this this discounted period and it, it just reminds me of my, my old days when I used to do internet marketing around 2010 that was the height of when I was doing internet marketing that when we used to do product launches, we used to do resources pages and we'd get graphics designed and pre-written emails and pre-written social media posts. And the whole aim of that was that you make it completely easy for people to buy into and promote your product. And that used to work really well. Uh, they were just, we used to call them swipe files. We used to create swipe files. And that's exactly what they do for Smashwords. And it just takes me back to my days of internet marketing. I've not seen anybody do it outside of internet marketing for years. And these these promo pages are, are great. And, and it's one of the retro things I really like about Smashwords and that it, it this website seems to have been born from those internet marketing days. I think it's Mark Coker who runs it. He must have been influenced by that. And it's lovely to see it going forward because you just say, oh, I'll have, I'll have that graphic. I'll, I'll take that ready written email. And it just allows you to promote it really easily. So I'm going to recommend Smashwords to you if you're not in Smashwords. Do do take a look at it. I think it's worth it just because it's so different from everything else. And I do think some of the other sites could learn a thing or two from looking at what Smashwords does as far as these promotions are concerned. Joanna Penn had, I mean, Joanna Penn's podcast is always interesting, but she had a really interesting item in her podcast intro this week where she was talking about your values as a writer, freedom, fame, or fortune. She was basically making the argument. And I think, if memory serves me correct, I think it was Honoré Corda had mentioned this to her. I may be, I may be wrong with that. Uh, but basically, uh, everything, your motivations as a writer boil down to freedom, fame, or fortune. And it made me think about what my priorities are as a writer. And I thought I'd discuss those with you now and suggest that you listen to the intro on Joanna's podcast if you haven't listened to that already and I thought so I, I don't really have to think very much about it my number one parameter as an author is freedom freedom is the most important thing to me when I left the BBC ooh, 13 years ago this year 13 years ago freedom was the thing that I loved most immediately now clearly I needed to earn money as well but freedom was what I loved about leaving the corporate life. The first winter that we left, that I'd left the BBC, was the first winter where we went abroad for a month. And I, because I could, and I really wanted to do that because when you went on holiday at work, 
usually you have a week or two weeks off and you're usually pretty tired by the time you arrive it takes you a few days to recover from work and then by the time you've recovered from work you're thinking oh we're going back at the weekend or something like that you know and that's what your holidays are like when you're at work and you're very busy at work and I wanted to have a holiday that was long enough where you said right I'm relaxed now I've I've sort of thrown off the tiredness of, of work and I'm, I'm I'm firing on all cylinders again and then you look at how much time you've got left and you think oh my goodness I've still got three weeks left three and a half weeks left of this holiday that was the experience I wanted and and so I got that sense of freedom very quickly when we went for that first month in Spain so I left the BBC in October of I think it was 2010 and we went on our first month-long Spain trip in December and January of 2010 and I loved immediately that sense of freedom and it's the thing that's kept me my sort of you know keep going even though things get a little bit difficult sometimes when you're working for yourself I love the the freedom the flexibility of organizing my days and being able to say I don't feel like work today I'm not going to work today or I'm taking a week off here I'm taking a week off there and just doing it of pleasing myself so absolutely freedom is my number one metric in, in all that I've done in the last 13 years second for me is fortune in that you've got to earn cash you've got to to live but I don't particularly care about being some zillionaire or anything like that I never really have particularly cared about that I just uh, so long as I can pay the bills and we're all kind of happy and we've all got what we need we live a fairly frugal lifestyle uh, just because we, we, you know I don't do brands uh, I don't need the fastest car I don't need the you know the best trainers that's none of that nonsense has ever bothered me in the slightest I just don't care about it so um, you know the fact that we're able to do the travel that we're able to do we, we kind of got what we want and, and I take you back to metric number one which is which is freedom first you know freedom is that number one metric so so fortune in terms of a priority if you take fortune to be you know zillions of pounds well that that's sort of second on the list I don't particularly care about that but in terms of if you take fortune to me well I you know we all need a roof over our heads well that that's why I would place that um, second so for me fortune is not about zillions of pounds it's about having what you need to realize the first priority which is freedom the, the freedom metric and then the last one there fame I don't care for at all and I realized this very early on if you think that I was in a media career and I was on the radio twice a day sometimes for many days of my working career that was never about it was never about fame for me on the radio never ever ever and writing isn't about fame for me either I think it, it, it's something that isn't fame it's I kind of want I think as a writer I almost want people to love my books but I want to retain my anonymity so anonymity is a much prized goal I remember years ago that I when I was a student and I just had vague aspirations I think I must have been doing student radio at the time I had vague aspirations that the media uh, was going to be where my career was and uh, I remember one of the presenters leaving Blue Peter which is a kids program in the U UK a huge certainly was a huge kids program and I remember just writing off I mean I hadn't got a chance of getting it but I wrote off to the editor Biddy Baxter at the time with a with a you know I'd love to be interviewed for a job and of course that wasn't how you got jobs it was completely the wrong way to go about it but I've still got a photograph of this in my in my photographs 
and obviously nothing nothing came of that but interestingly i worked with i have worked with and know a presenter who who of blue peter somebody who i worked with in my career who went on to present on blue peter and um i would not wish for that public life at all so i've known people who've got on to telly and media careers uh people who read the 10 o'clock news and things like that and i would not wish for that at all i completely prize my anonymity i would not want to be spotted in in the street i would not want people interfering with my family life um and and it, it interesting uh, years ago before again before i was even making a salary for the media i went out with a chap who used to do granada tv i was just um you know shadowing him for the day to see what he did and i always remember him while well, we were doing a report we were doing a report about the lancaster canal and he was walking along it and he would look at people as we were walking along the canal because he half expected them to recognize them and he was all primed with his sort of showbiz self to do the you know yes hi it really is me kind of thing and and i just remember even then thinking no that's not for me that's not what i want and i would not have wanted it when the children were young definitely so radio for me um, but I, you know i love i loved my radio career uh, i loved what we did on the radio and would still go back to it um if it wasn't it's all kind of run down now really and they're a bit tight on resources but you know i love radio still love radio and um but it you know i don't want to do it with all the resources like they are these days because it's not that enjoyable like that but on the radio no one knew who you were and it that suited me and it's the same with being an author i could write books people could read them all over the world and no one knows who i am uh, so you kind of get that inverted commas fame but you don't l get the intrusion uh, the lack of privacy and I value my privacy above everything you know I'm quite a private uh, person and so fame is the last of that list so I was very definitely able to order mine freedom fortune fame and freedom is definitely my number one metric and that's a really interesting exercise to go through if you didn't catch that on Joanna's podcast this week I've put the link in the show notes but I think it's a really interesting thing to think about what your priorities are let's move on to the links to share this week not an awful lot of links to share but a couple of useful ones I got uh, uh, an email this week from the novelry Dot com. This is one of the sites I've suggested that you take a look at. They do uh, courses, but also resources and articles for writers. And this is my genre again, but I know that a lot of you are in writing in my genre who listen to this podcast. There are three articles that I'd like to share with you this week. The first one is writing crime fiction with Mark Billingham's tips. If you're a, if you write in my genre, you'll know who Mark Billingham is. Suspense writing, five top tips and the closed circle mystery do i think other people do they call it closed door something like that mysteries and um, i've written one of those i wrote a mystery like that it was it was my my version it's not it was nothing like um and then and then there were none but and then there were none is an agatha christie book that i always liked always liked the film and i wanted to do a closed circle or a closed door mystery so i set mine on some forts they're they're old i think they're napoleonic forts i think um 
down south, somewhere in the sea, down south. There are about three of them, if I remember correctly, and two of them have been bought and, and, and done up as, as amazing hotels, and I set one of my close circle mysteries there um, because I, I wanted to write a mystery of that style. So um, all of those have got lots of pertinent points and tips for people who write in the crime fiction genre, and I will share those with you on the links page this week. And also something that was of interest to me, it's a little bit techy, but I like doing this. Uh, Book Funnel is f giving you featured uh, custom domains, custom domain names now. Sorry, I said my mouth wasn't working today. It really isn't. Uh, featured custom domains. So uh, rather than using Book Funnel links when you do your Book Funnel promos, it means that you could link your own domain name. So mine would be paulteague.net and my book funnel links will start paulteague.net and then they'll have some kind of strange link at the end of them. And I have done custom domain names with MailerLite and I've done it with something else recently too. I quite like custom domain names. Now it is a little bit geeky. You have to go into your domain name and have to do awful things like C names, um, which I still don't understand after all these years. I kind of roughly understand what it does, but if you ask me to, uh, to explain it to you, I would struggle to explain it to you, uh, very much so. Uh, but so if you're, if you're, I would say it's it's moderate geeky. I would say doing domain names, but they do do a nice blog post explaining how to do it. But I think it just makes those sites just look a little bit more professional because you've got your own d domain name on it. So I quite like using custom domain names. Anyhow, uh, the book funnel guys they did a blog post for it explaining exactly how to do it it is step by step so you know it, 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 if you're reasonably confident with tech stuff you don't have to be a genius or an expert at it you just need a little bit of confidence with it uh, then you would be able to do this but it's well worth a look I think if you use book funnel but it's a welcome addition to the service I think that Quite a lot of personal news this week. I did tell you last week that I was going to Transformers on Tuesday. So we went to Transformers, thoroughly enjoyed that. I think the, the film, the last Transformers film, one of my my bugbears with all these superhero films and, uh, and the tra last Transformers film is that they, they almost make them so big in scale they can't cope with it, that they end up with some great universe battle at the end, and like, oh, we, there's nothing bigger than the universe, and they always they almost run out of places to go, and and so why this film was a a welcome departure for me was that they they made it smaller again. So I I think the the last sort of battles, the conflict was in Peru, and so you know they didn't need something bigger than the universe. It didn't run out of a palette to play with. They just kept it um, smaller and more focused and it worked all the better i thought uh, for that so i really enjoyed this transformers film it, it was a return to form for me but i always remember in aquaman it just got so big the battle at the end it was like how can we make this bigger we can have you know do we have a, a super sea a super universe sea it just it just got ridiculous in scale and actually i think they they work better if you just tie it down to a smaller universe sometimes and, and, and you know the the superheroes are the same you know how big can a battle be uh, at the end often it's better if it's just between two people so anyhow that's a long way of saying i thought the new transformers was great but if you don't like that stuff you'll hate it if you do like that sort of stuff you'll probably love it um it's been a week of leisure this week so that was on tuesday on Wednesday and Thursday my wife and I as soon as my wife had finished work at lunch on Wednesday we jumped on a train to Glasgow and we had a nice time in Glasgow we stayed overnight and we went to see a musical uh, at the Kings it's called the Kings it's a theatre in uh, Glasgow 
uh, dated back to 1901 so it's a traditional theatre uh, and this is the first first sort of theatre trip where I've been at risk of being in a in a clumped crowd since since Covid so it was with a little bit of um, apprehension that we did this but as it turned out um, we were well away from people it wasn't full and so we had loads of space around us so that was that was an added bonus for me which was great but we went to see a musical called the stamping ground now this is completely uh you won't be the slightest bit interested in this but my, my wife and i we love a band called rudrig they're a scottish band you probably might have even heard of them they're huge in scotland and they're huge in in i think sort of some parts of europe and i think they're very big i think canada they've got a big following as well wherever there's a sort of scottish population i followed these for years um the first time i learned about them was in 1991 we used to go up to my wife's parents for hogmanay for new year I was always a welcome guest there because uh, part of tradition is that you have a, a black-haired guest, you know, um, a dark, is it a dark stranger or something, whatever they call it, and that was me in those days. And um, Hogmanay in Scotland was completely different to what I'd known in our house. So in, in my upbringing, the culmination of New Year would be actually at New Year, and then it was kind of over once you'd hit the New Year, it was done. But in Scotland, it starts at New Year. They're really, really late nights. Anyhow. I was at one of her family's do's. Um, everybody was was drunk as as they tend to get at New Year, and uh, because it was um, Scottish accent and, and people were laughing and you know it was quite extreme for me as an Englishman to follow what was going on. But something caught my attention. They got the TV on in the background. Something caught my attention, and it was a it was a replay of Rudrig at some uh, a live concert that they'd done, and it immediately caught my ears. And I thought it was big country at first, actually. It had in those days it used to have um, a rig of big country in it and it wasn't big country and i thought i love this and the first thing i did was buy that video we bought the albums went to see them in concert goodness knows how many times i interviewed them several times as part of my role in the bbc uh, i could get backstage passes and interview them and we went to see their final concert which was five years ago this year at sterling just in the shadow of sterling castle so we followed this group for years i, I love them i love their music and they've done one of these kind of musical drama things and so um this is the, i think it started it was up in inverness i think which is a long way for us to travel to inverness but they've started touring it around scotland uh, it's at perth i think next week it was in glasgow this week and so i said to my wife we've got to go and watch that while it was there so we went to see it and it was fab but you wouldn't enjoy it if you didn't like the music but if you like the music it was fab so that was highly enjoyable and we had a lovely morning in uh, Glasgow yesterday in, on Thursday and we had uh, breakfast at Weatherspoons a nice nice late start to the day and uh, we were sitting in one of the parks enjoying the sun so that was lovely that was great fun and then today Friday uh, we're out with the kids uh, we're going out for lunch with the kids and then we're going on to uh, a garden center the kids want to get some water fountain or something for their their garden they've just bought a house so uh, we, we, we're going to get a fountain for them so it's just a nice pleasant family day out today and then tonight I've got you'll remember that I said to you that I was uh, doing a bit of DJing work I haven't I haven't had an awful lot of time to, to work on it unfortunately um, but the, the reason I've held back on that is for something that's happening tonight in the UK you'll all know Spandau Ballet one of the brothers the Kemp brothers is Martin Kemp he's the guy who doesn't write the songs Martin Kemp uh, still plays with Spandau Ballet but he also has a separate DJ uh, career he's coming up to uh, Carlisle today uh, uh, Friday as I record this 
and I've got tickets to see his 80s uh, gig. Now, I, I, I will not be jumping around and dancing. I'm literally going there to for DJ research because I want to see what somebody at uh, the sort of peak of his game and somebody very famous and who's only playing 80s stuff, which is kind of what I want to do. I want to see what he does and what his set is and how he does it and how much of the fancy stuff he does uh, or whether he just keeps it simple for an older audience. So I'm going there to learn. Now, <clears throat> he's not going to be on stage until about, I think, 10 o'clock tonight. So my biggest challenge today is can I stay awake long enough to, to actually get down there? Now, uh, we're going to do it fairly surgically because I'm, I'm literally there to learn. I just want to learn and take notes. Uh, so we'll 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 arrive at ten probably. Hopefully when he's on, I won't have to wait too long for him to be on. Uh, I can take notes, see what he does, and then as soon as I've got the gist of it, we'll we'll be on our way. But it's literally for DJing research tonight. If I can stay awake long enough, that's going to be the biggest challenge of the evening. Um, you know, going to something at ten o'clock—that's usually getting ready for bedtime ten o'clock. So, so let's let's see if I can cope with that. Oh, well, the other thing I had this week—I said there was a lot of personal news. I did the ten k run in Morecambe on Sunday, uh, so it was very hot. It was very hot on Sunday. They had three water stations, so we were running along the seafront, which I love. I love doing that run, and uh, they had three water stations because it was so hot. It was quite a slog in the heat, but you know, lovely. I love doing that run. And of course, all the time I'm running, I'm looking at locations that I've got in my Morecambe Bay books. There's one that always makes me laugh. Um, my main character, Charlotte, has a bit of a tizzy. Um, I can't remember whether the guy is on a bicycle or whether he's on one of these electric scooters, but basically he runs into her and she has a tizzy and um, th throws his bike or his scooter into a into a load of bushes and whenever I run past the bushes where the real life bushes where that that would happen uh, it always makes me laugh about that scene so uh, yeah it's always it's always great to do a run in Morecambe so yeah busy 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 week uh, from a personal point of view but fortunately I did manage to squeeze in that book one final edit in there as well that brings me then on to healthy author updates and I've got my park run on Saturday, of course. I've got a Father's Day 10K on Sunday. And then we are away next week. So next week, I'm going to be at SPS Live. So I will travel down on, I think I hop on the train about midday on Monday. And then I will be leaving early about midday on Wednesday. Because I want to be back in time to do a 10K run race at the nature reserve so you know i do my weekly runs at the nature reserves on, on sundays they've got a 10k race on wednesday evening i want to be back to do that so hopefully the trains will behave i'll be off the train about five o'clock in carlisle grab something to eat get changed and off i'll go for the 10k and then the day after that so when i've got back i'll, I'll get back from london hop off the train do the 10k wake up the next morning i'm driving over to see my mum I'm at my mum's place for four days, so I'll be there till Sunday, and then I've got a park run in uh, in, a, in a different place, obviously, and my niece is going to join us for the park run. So none of my other family runs, so this is why I'm so happy that my wife started running, but nobody else in my wider family runs. Uh, I, think, I think my brother might do, but he's, he's so far down south, I, I never see him. Um, 
but my my niece has just started running and she said she'll come for a run with us at a park run uh, next saturday so we're going to do that that'll be a really nice event next saturday we're back on sunday but from a working point of view from a an editing writing point of view it, next week is a complete write-off it's just um, you know family visiting sps live that sort of stuff and i've got i'm going to see lots of you at sps live we've got lots of um, sessions uh, you know either tea coffee whatever booked in next week for sps live so i'm really looking forward to that so long as the trains behave so that's it sps live next week visiting my mum next week because i'll be barely at home next week i'm going to pre-record next week it'll be a pre-recorded episode it'll be my quarter two review and my quarter three preview next week and then the week after that when i'll be able to record that uh, contemporaneously that'll be my final episode for this season and i'll be dropping that on saturday the first of july i'll be reviewing sps live and i'll let you know what my plans are over summer in that final episode so that is it for this week's show thank you very much for listening i'm looking forward to seeing you at sps live if we're meeting down there in the meantime though have a great week of writing from me paul teague it's bye-bye for now